This is the Freddie and Harry podcast on ESPN Radio. And welcome to the best show on your radio. You know it better as Freddie and Harry. Thank you very much. Got my man Chad Brown in for Harry Douglas. I'm just really Freddie Coleman. Thanks for joining us on the ESPN app. Series XM Channel 80. And always tell that smart speaker of yours to play ESPN radio. It's one of our favorite times of the week when you have a chance to Put some money in your pocket, at least more money in your pocket. Hopefully. And, not hopefully. <laughs> it will be happening. The voice you heard saying hopefully is the ESPN Sports betting analyst. He does a great job. She's Erin Dolan. Hit her on Twitter, Erin K. Dolan. Before we get to the best bets of the weekend, I was watching earlier today when you were on with Shay Cornett on mm-hmm. SportsCenter. You gave a great definition for those who may not know what a parlay is or what a same-game parlay is. For those who missed that. What is that for those who yes. may not know that when it turns to putting more money in their pocket by the end of the weekend? So parlay is when you combine two or more bets into one. So like I just mentioned, you could have two legs to that. And by legs, that's what I mean by a bet if you're new to betting. So you could have up to, I mean, you could have an 11 game, same game parlay. You could have just as many legs as you typically want. I mean, I don't know how big you guys want to get and technical mm-hmm. you want to get, but mm-hmm. parlay two or more things combined into one to get better odds for something. So if you like two things that are super juicy, you can combine those two, get a better price. And obviously a same game parlay is within the same game. So let's say you're looking at the NBA slate, for example, and you like two spreads. And obviously that's from two different games. You can bind those right. for a regular parlay. But again, same game parlay, self-explanatory in the same game. Fantastic. I'm glad you explained that. That's yeah, why we had today. you here as far as that goes. <laughs> we got the Cowboys and Seahawks tonight. Yeah. I know you're, you're an Eagles fan. I know your attention is elsewhere when it comes to your Eagles and the 49ers. Oh, man, yeah. Cowboys, nine, nine and a half point favored. What do you think happens tonight yeah. involving this one? So the line moved from minus seven and a half to minus nine and a half. The total moved up from 46 to 47 and a half. Um, I think Dallas wins this game outright. I feel like that's pretty easy to say, uh, considering they're pretty juicy on the money line. They've been so good at home this season, and that's more so – the issue here, but it is a large spread, and this is yeah. a Thursday night primetime game, and we've seen Dallas at times struggle throughout this season and some of those losses, but again, this is a home game. That's what's most important here. So they're 5-0 and at home. They're outscoring opponents by 29 points at home so far this season. Yikes. So I like Dallas to win outright, and again, that's really juicy, so my best bet is going to be that combined with Geno Smith to throw an interception. So there's your little same game parlay, just two legs, nothing crazy. It's minus 110 right now on ESPN bet as my promo for the play of the day. If you're interested um, in betting that uh, I gave out a huge same game parlay on Sunday in that cash. That was in the Eagles game, but that's nonetheless. Um, <laughs> but again, take advantage of these uh, plays. Uh, yeah, so I do believe that Dallas will win. Geno Smith to throw a pick. Uh, I mean, the guy's got eight interceptions so far this season. Dallas's defense has 12 defensive interceptions, which is tied for the fourth most. Um, but just a way to kind of get in on the action and kind of cover yourself. Again, two juicy things just combined into one. All right, Dan, you just talked about Geno Smith. Are there other player props that you like for tonight? Yeah, so Dak being that, you know, at home, he's much better than on the road. So he's got, I, I believe it's, 12 touchdowns to what? Two interceptions or 15 touchdowns to two interceptions? 15 to two. two, But then on the road, he's, you know, eight to four in that. So he's averaging 4.8 passing touchdowns at home this season. So if you're interested in just looking at some touchdown scores, and again, you could add these into the same game parlay. Um, Brandon Cooks, for example, I think he's a great one. Three of his last four touchdowns were at home, um, three of those being blowout wins. So if you think this is going to be a blowout win, which is why I'm not getting involved with the spread whatsoever. I look at Brandon Cooks just because mm-hmm. he's one of those guys that Dak could hit. And also, wouldn't mind looking at Tony Pollard as well, especially if they end up running the ball in the second half, just kind of calm things down. Uh, if he punched in a touchdown, I <laughs> wouldn't be surprised by that at all. He only has four rushing touchdowns so far this season, but the Seattle offense isn't that great. They're not putting up a ton of points, and the defense also isn't that great. So 
it seems like Dallas should roll. This should not be an issue for them. I'd also maybe look at the first half minus five and a half. That feels like it's way too easy to put out there. But Dallas is averaging 25 points per game in the first half, which is the most in the league. Seattle, when they're on the road, is only averaging nine. Dallas is 5-0 and against the spread at home, whereas Seattle's 1-3-1 and against the spread in their last five games. So all the trends are pointing towards the Dallas Cowboys putting up a ton of points jumping out on this squad. Um, so, again, just different ways that you can play it. But staying away from the spread in total just for the fact that it could end up being a blowout. And I don't know how many points Seattle is going to be able to put up on this squad. The always terrific Aaron Dolan. She's an ESPN Sports betting analyst. And on Twitter, Aaron K. Dolan joining Freddie Coleman and Chad Brown and Freddie Harry on ESPN Radio. We start getting more into Super Bowl odds and odds on this team and odds on that team. You look at a team like the Dallas Cowboys that have been white-hot at home, but they struggle at home. But that mm-hmm. offense has been out of their mind the last six weeks. When you look at both of these teams and Super Bowl odds, what are the odds when it comes to Seattle and especially the Dallas Cowboys? So the Dallas Cowboys are currently plus 900. They're moving down the board, obviously, because they've won five of their last six games and whatnot, um, which is great for them in ways. But the Kansas City Chiefs are still the favorite. They're actually the co-favorite right now with the Philadelphia Eagles and the 49ers at plus 425. So all three of those teams are plus 425. you got the Ravens, Dolphins, then the Cowboys sitting there. The Cowboys are not winning the Super Bowl. I don't say that as an Eagles fan. I just say in general, if you look at the way that they've played this season, one, yes, they're great at home. Kudos to them. They're not great on the road, which is always going to be an issue. And they played two tough opponents this season. The Eagles, they lost. The 49ers, they lost. And they didn't lose in a great fashion to the 49ers. They got blown out in that game. So there's better teams in the league than the Dallas Cowboys. Of course, the odds are always going to shift and adjust when the team is on a roll. So it's not surprising to see these odds come down, but that by no means... No, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to end up winning the Super Bowl. And then if you want to talk Dak Prescott, I mean, at one point this season, he was 60 to one to win MVP Mm -hmm. last week. I believe it's coming down, coming down. Now he's plus 800, which is pretty wild. Everybody is talking about how, you know, this could be the season he wins MVP. This is a new conversation. Also, because it's Thursday, what else are we going to talk about? We're not going to talk about Geno Smith becoming MVP. Um, But again, odds always shifting. But if you look at the Dallas Cowboys, you know, next couple opponents, it's not going to be easy. I mean, you got the Eagles, Cowboys, Dolphins, Mm -hmm. Lions. The Commanders should be a gimme at the end of the season. And same thing, the Seahawks, they should be able to win tonight. Um, But I don't think... I don't think he's going to win MVP. I think there's better players right now. I think it's a topic of conversation. The odds are moving, but again, doesn't necessarily mean he's going to win that. Look at Joe Burrow. It's a great example. He's moving down, flying down. I think I talked about that Mm -hmm. a few weeks ago. Now he's not even playing. Mm -hmm. You know, these things change week to week so much. Um, But yes, the Cowboys, their futures odds, player odds getting better, but again, doesn't necessarily mean they're going to win. All right, Aaron, your Eagles are clearly rolling. How do you think they do this weekend against the 49ers? God, the disrespect of this line, is it's so disrespectful. It's so disrespectful. Plus three against the Philadelphia Eagles. That's crazy. That's crazy. Hold on, Aaron. Chad, as soon as you mentioned that, when I saw that line come on Monday, I said, man, I can't wait till Thursday afternoon at 4 o'clock because I know Aaron (laughs) is going to be out of her mind saying, wait a minute, we're 10-1 and we're not favored at home against a team that we beat? That's the first time ever, first time ever that you're seeing it a plus. Mm-hmm. a team that's 10 and one we get no respect i know this is a difficult stretch and again this is a spot this is a spot where yes they could end up losing it but by like three po- oh man it's just disrespectful <laughs> um so on sunday it was funny so it was like coming from my head i understood right now. when the 49ers were minus one and they're on the road too like i okay i understand that fine i'll i'll 
whatever. Because I, I don't know if the Eagles are going to be able to win the game. But then when it shot up to three to within three. a couple hours, like how uh, much money had to come in on the 49ers to move that with two healthy quarterbacks? All the sharps came in. Yeah. And then now, I mean, they're going to leave it at that, hoping that people start backing the Eagles, which is what will happen, and then I'll move down. It's not going to move to, like, minus three and a half. There's no way. It'll come back down to minus two and a half. It already has on some of the books. They're enticing you. They need you to take the other side. They got to, yep. you know, negate some of this liability and whatnot. But, um, yeah, the, the Eagles – they continue to surprise us. If this was a road game, sure. I would say just take lay the points with the 49ers. But the fact this is at the link, the link is a different type of atmosphere. I know people are just going to be like, all right, you're an Eagles fan. But I'm telling you, it is a different <laughs> ball game when you go into the link and this team is riled up. And what I've liked from the Philadelphia Eagles is they figured out ways to win. We just saw that against the Buffalo Bills. Yeah. Like, they figured it out. People are like, oh, yeah, well, they're not dominating. Well, yeah, last season they had one of the easiest schedules. Of course they were dominating in those games. They're still winning. Like, I don't know at what point you can give Jalen Hurts some type of respect. Like, he's winning. It, I'm so angry. I'm sorry. It's, it's a Thursday night. We were 10-1, and one and people are, like, like looking at me all the time like, yeah, but they're not that good. Like, they're clearly good. The Do you not see them, who they recently beat? Like The only thing missing from Aaron Dolan right now is pitchforks and fire. <laughs> like, because all, I hear people all week, and no one will give any respect to the Philadelphia Eagles, it feels like, sometimes. No, you can ask our and producers. And you, know, you can ask our producers, Shannon Penn and Devin King, what I've been saying about the Philadelphia Eagles. For the longest time, they're good. what I've been saying, what I've been saying about the Eagles. Oh yeah, you've been saying that they're bad and all, See? all, all season See? long. See? And then once Aaron Dolan comes you're in, you're only saying you're that because he has up. to be in this room with you me. See, you see how they do me? You see how they do Aaron? Because Welcome they know they're lying. Sparking drama, and complete drama. That's that's why we're not friends anymore. Real quick, before we get you out of here, NBA tonight, in season oh, yes. tournament. Any plays you like tonight before the in season tournament has the semifinals next week? All right, yeah, I don't really know what's going on with that. That thing is confusing me. It's confused me from a betting perspective as well. But best bet for tonight, <laughs> we're going with the Buck and the courts. We got to change the courts up. Thank oh, God that's the ending. Are fine, but I hear no, you. it's not. The courts are fine. Okay. They're no, okay. they're not fine. Uh, Bucks in the first half minus four and a half. That's gonna be my best bet for tonight. I think the Bucks can jump out on the Chicago Bulls squad. That they're one and nine against the spread, and not only the first quarter, but in the the first half of games right now. So in the last right. ten games, they've been terrible at covering the number all season. They're the worst team against the spread in general. They're not living up to any type of expectation on a game basis. But the Bucks have been much better lately. Uh, they're finally turning things around a little bit. They're averaging forty nine points per game in the first half. Um, or excuse me, the Bulls are averaging forty nine points per game in the first half, which is the worst mark in the league. The Bucks, meanwhile averaging 58 so even though this is a game on the road for them they're not on a back-to-back or anything crazy like that and I feel like they've been starting to roll I mean both these teams are bottom 10 in defensive rating but the Bucks are fourth in offensive rating so they should be able to put up some buckets more specifically in the first half when you see a spread at like eight nine ten you start getting up in that type of range I always like to look at the first half because sometimes they just put the right you know, foot off the pedal and whatnot so um, I know it's a little bit different right now with the in-season tournament stuff going on but I do like the Bucks first half minus four and a half and they're coming off my ban list they've been on my ban list for the last couple weeks so they started off the season 0-9 and 1 against the spread and I kept saying oh they're finally going to cover something uh-huh. and they, they wouldn't yeah so I put them on a ban list but they're off they're off the ban list out with the bad air and with the good air when it comes to your Eagles. She <laughs> is Aaron Dolan, ESPN Sports betting analyst. Always does a fantastic job. Hit her on Twitter at Aaron K. Dolan. She's here each and every Thursday on this time on Freddie and Harry. Aaron, thanks a lot, my friend. Enjoy the Thank weekend. Thank you. By the way, she was here with Freddie Coleman and also Chad Brown of Freddie and Harry and ESPN Radio. Thanks to Progressive Insurance. You can send you bundle motorcycle, RV, and boat insurance. So do yourself a favor and visit Progressive.com. Fourth and 14, and the Browns going for it. Walker trying to step up. He's set and fumbled. E.J. Locke, Singleton belts 
Walker. Hey, to get as one, and it's been showing these past couple weeks. We're just going to keep on building on it. And- Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight. S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Keep on going and moving forward from here. Number one, I am never, ever speaking to Devin Kane and Shannon Penn ever again. As a matter of fact, Aaron Dolan, who just left out of here on Freddie and Harry with Chad Brown and for Harry Douglas and Freddie Coleman on ESPN Radio, she had the Milwaukee Bucks on her band list. Chad Brown right now, Devin Kane and Shannon Penn are on my band list. Let them know, man. Let I am them letting know. them know. I am letting them know, period. Th- th- those Christmas gift cards I think about getting, y'all can forget it now. <laughs> One hundred percent, y'all not getting anything now. Forget, I'm Scrooge now. I'm the Grinch now compared to you guys. And all the Shannon and Devin Kane's in Whoville will have to go boo hoo hoo, turning on me like snakes when it came to the Philadelphia Eagles. But the best turnaround that a lot of people aren't talking about, Chad, are your Denver Broncos. You live in that area. You understand that area. At one point, one in five, Russell Wilson getting yelled at. Everybody's saying, when are they going to move on from him? People are putting it out that he could be traded by the trading deadline. Then you snap your fingers. They're six and five. Right now, they have the longest winning streak in the National Football League. You've seen this team. Why have they been able to flip this around from that slow start of one and five? And now they won five in a row. Five in a row, uh, 15 turnovers in the last four games defensively. Fans, Joseph has got this defense rebounded considerably since that 70-burger they got put up on them by the Miami Dolphins. They've given up 80 points in the last five games versus 70 in that one game against the Dolphins. And let's face facts, going back to that Dolphins game, the Dolphins could have put up 84 if they wanted to. They actually turned it down after getting 70. So uh, about as awful as a defensive performance you've ever seen versus where they are playing now. There have been some personnel changes. There have been some schematic changes. And I think there's just an overall confidence as well. There are also a number of players nicked up. Mm-hmm. So there's been a, a kind of a multiple, multitude of factors that have brought the Broncos from 1-5 and five now to 6-5 and five with five wins in a row. The defensive turnaround was certainly a part of it. Uh, moving on from Frank Clark and Randy Gregory. Those were both veteran players, I think, who had a lot to say in the locker room. When, okay. 
Sean Payton was trying to establish a culture with the young guys. So I think he and George Payton decided to move on from those guys and really focus on the young guys, not just in the edge group without Frank Clark and, and and Randy Gregory, but all kind of around the team. Marvin Mims is playing a bigger role as a wide receiver out of Oklahoma. Uh, Jaleel McLaughlin, the running back, is playing a bigger role in the backfield. So there's a number of young guys being sprinkled in at spots, but probably the biggest part of this is Sean Payton and Russell Wilson kind of meeting together Mm -hmm. and deciding how they're going to want this offense to work. And it's been a run-based attack when you're – defense is getting the ball from the opponent as his defense has you don't have to take a lot of chances offensively so russell wilson last week uh what 13 completions on 22 attempts for 134 yards but you found a way to win go back to that buffalo game 193 yards passing they beat kansas city with 114 yards passing for russell wilson so the numbers aren't eye-popping the completion percentage typically is pretty high but it's a lot of Checkdowns, throws to backs, slant routes to tight ends, things like that, wide receiver screens, things like that. It's a lot of short passes. But late in the second quarter, late in the fourth quarter, Sean Payton lets Russell Wilson out of the cage a bit, and they typically are able to produce or engineer a touchdown scoring drive, which Mm -hmm. has been enough for them. So it's not a super complicated formula. Russell Wilson's not turning the ball over. They're not taking a whole lot of chances offensively. Mm -hmm. And defensively, they had a complete turnaround. I think another part of it, and I go back to Russell Wilson and what you said about Russell Wilson, Sean Payton, the head coach and quarterback having a meeting of the minds. I firmly believe that once Sean Payton decided to coach better and stop blaming people for those who were there and those who weren't there, that was a better message in the locker room because I go back to that night, that Thursday night game, they lost to the Kansas City Chiefs. And after Russell Wilson, I think he threw a pick or whatever he had. Either way, it was a negative play. And he comes over to the sidelines, and Sean Payton, he was like a parent that – their kid came home late from curfew, and they were letting them have it. And Russell Wilson took off his helmet. You can clearly tell that he had enough. And whatever he said got Sean Payton's attention. That was Russell Wilson's way of saying, man, bleep you. You blaming me. I'm not playing well. You're not exactly coaching like Vince Lombardi here right now this football team. And the rest of the team saw that. Plenty of guys looked around and said, wow, that's something we never thought we would hear from Russell Wilson. I don't believe in coincidences, Chad, but from that point on, there's been less blame and a togetherness because Sean Payne's like, look, these are the guys I got. I can't keep blaming them and then expect them to go out there and win for this team or win for me. They're going to tune me out, and they're not paying me all that money to be tuned out. I go back to that night I circle. I said, man, when the Broncos, if the Broncos turn around, we may look at that as that moment where it was before Broncos, then after Broncos. I don't think it's a coincidence that when Russell Wilson said, stop blaming me, you bleepity bleep, that Sean Payton coached better and stop blaming people who were there or who were not there why the Broncos are not successful early. I could be wrong. I think both those guys had to humble themselves. Let's you know go back to last season. Russell Wilson gets out of Seattle because he decides he wants to cook. Let Russ cook. And the results were disastrous between him and Nathaniel Hackett on that Broncos offense. There were conversations about Russell Wilson. It was the worst trade in NFL history, I not mean, of the yeah, year, yeah. not of the decade, not mm. of the modern era of football, in <laughs> NFL history. So when people are talking about you in that way, that's a, quite a humbling experience. And then Sean Payton came in this year feeling very good about himself, lots of bravado, talked about the awful job that Nathaniel Hackett did, mm-hmm. which in some ways inspired the Jets to go out and beat the Broncos. Yeah, it did. So, which also had to be quite humbling for Sean Payton. So I think both these guys – have been humbled a bit, and I think some ways necessarily so. But in their humbling, they decided to work together and put ego inside and put uh, desire to be pra- to be praised aside. This is not a Sean Payton, Drew Brees, 4,000-plus yards passing offense. 
It's not going to be. Russell Wilson is not going to achieve the heights that he did back in Seattle. But I think if they find ways to work together and win football games, then they're taking care of the ultimate goal. I never thought in a million years I would talk about a Broncos-Texans game and say, man, I'll watch that one. (laughs) I never thought in a million years in 2023 because both of these teams, in my opinion, they could be very sneaky if they get into the playoffs. I'll say the Broncos are more legitimate because they have a coach who's been there. They have a quarterback who's been there. The defense has improved. Cortland Sutton has been a you-know-what at wide receiver, and everything's feeding off of him. I still think the Texans are a little early. That doesn't mean they can't get there. I just think they're a little early, even though C.J. Stroud has been terrific. D'Amico Ryan has been terrific as a head coach. I love they've been able to do with those young players. But I can't wait to see how this matches up because both of these teams believe that they get in, they can do some things. I think it's more likely the Broncos are more legitimate to do that, Chad, than the Houston Texans. Oh, gosh, T.J. Stroud is not playing like a rookie because if, if he is, then he's the best rookie quarterback maybe of all time because <laughs> he's put it together. You know, I played against Peyton Manning his rookie year. He led the league in interceptions. You know, I think my Seahawks team got one or two that game uh, against him. So mm-hmm. this level of play we've seen from C.J. Stroud is maybe uh, uh, unprecedented in NFL history from a rookie quarterback. And then I had an opportunity to work with D'Amico Ryans when I was an intern coach out there in San Francisco. Right. And so I've seen this guy up close, see him work, and at this time, you know, I, he didn't know I was watching him as a potential you know, head coach and how he was going to pan out. Uh-huh. I was just watching him work with his linebackers, and his communication skills, his relatability, uh, his ability to deliver some coaching with some humor, all those kind of things. I think that's paying dividends in that Houston Texans locker room right now. So while I recognize experience is typically a factor in NFL playoffs, both C.J. Stroud and D'Amico Ryans are far surpassed what you would expect from any first-year person doing their respective jobs. Yeah, that game between the Broncos and the Texans, nobody thought that would be an important game in the AFC part of Gotta See It Weekend in the National Football League. Of course, the Eagles 49ers start when it comes to that Seahawks and Cowboys tonight, but keep an eye on that one part of Gotta See It Weekend in the NFL. We got the Broncos and the Texans trying to make their way a little bit more of that ladder of the AFC. He is Chad Brown in for Harry Douglas and Freddie Coleman on Freddie and Harry presented by Progressive Insurance. I'm going to ask Chad Brown who he believes are the four best college football teams right now as we head into championship weekend starting tomorrow night. And wait until you hear what Nick Saban, Alabama coach, had to say about what if his team beats Georgia in the SEC championship game. Keep it here on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. The Subway ACC Championship Game, Saturday on ESPN Radio. Undefeated and 12-0, Florida State looks to convince the committee they are playoff-worthy without quarterback Jordan Travis when they head to Charlotte to face 14th-ranked Louisville. Coverage begins Saturday at 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ABC. Presented by Dr. Pepper. The Freddie and Harry Podcast. No, it's just me and Chad Brown and Freddie and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, and always tell your smart speaker to play ESPN Radio. Let us know who your top four college football teams are. It can be the best, according to you. Not most deserving, the best. We got championship weekend starting tomorrow. Triple H say ESPN, 888-729-3776. Who right now are the four best teams in college football, can't wait to hear from you at 888-729-3776. Chad Brown, I'll throw that at you. You played at Colorado. You know it's like to play in championship type of environments and understanding that whole thing. We got the Pac-12 championship game 
That happens tomorrow night as undefeated Washington, number three, takes on number five, Oregon. That game at 8 o'clock Eastern time on ABC. Then we got the SEC championship game the next day between Alabama versus number one, Georgia. ACC championship game between Florida State and Louisville. And you'll be part of the Big Ten championship coverage on Westwood One Radio. I think, no, I'm sorry, Compass Radio, right? Compass Media Radio. Yep. When you have the Big Ten championship involving Iowa taking on Michigan. So on the Chad Brown big board, number four to number one, who are the four best teams in college football? Georgia's number one to withstand the gauntlet, 29 wins in a row. You get everyone's best game. I, 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 it, it's not much of a question for me. I'm impressed with Michigan, extremely impressed with Michigan. But what Georgia's been able to do, it's a little bit more than just this season kind of a, a thought. But, yes, they're number one for me. Michigan is number two. Washington, despite having a lot of close games uh, lately, and Michael Penix Jr. kind of falling back to earth, is still number three for me. Now, here's where it gets good, because I can't put Florida State number four. I know they're undefeated, but you're missing Jordan Travis. You're missing your best player. I understand your record is what it is, but you are not a better team without Jordan Travis than Oregon is. You're not better than Ohio State. You're not better, in my opinion, than Alabama either. So Florida State gets bumped out of the Final Four for me. And I guess I, I got to pick number four, don't I? Yes, you do. Mm-hmm. Okay, yes, man. You do. This is a tricky one. Mm-hmm. This is a tricky one. Um, your choices are Oregon, Texas, Ohio State, and Alabama. Those are your oh, choices. Man. Part of me wants to say Alabama because Alabama has just gotten so much better, better than where they were early in the season when they lost to Texas. But I will go with Oregon here in that number four spot. Okay. By the way, Peter Burns, ESPN College Football Analyst, also for the SEC Network, he was on this show yesterday. He's with you when it comes to those Seminoles, those undefeated Seminoles of Florida State. If you say what Bill Hancock, the college football playoff uh, executive director, says, it's not the most deserving. He goes, that's not part of our, our, our lexicon. It's not part of our verbiage. Right. It's the four best teams. And at the end of the day, I think there's going to be some people that if Florida State goes undefeated playing a Power 5 conference, you're going to have to take a look at it and go, all right, is this team that much better than perhaps Texas? perhaps a a Georgia that has one loss, perhaps an Alabama. I think it's going to be hard for them to say that that's going to be the case. He's exactly right, and I hear what you're saying. But when you have people moving the goalposts each and every week, that's where everything gets a little murky and everything gets cloudy because we're supposed to have that as the criteria, not the four most deserving teams who are the four best teams, whatever you got to use, I test, rankings, computer, voodoo doll, whatever that is. But they always seem to move the goalposts each and every week, and then they have, they have great excuses. They have great, they have great thought process to say, well, this is going to be our stance. Why, for example, they had Ohio State number one, when people knew they weren't even the best team in the Big Ten, much less the best team in the country. Then all of a sudden they were rewarding Washington and rewarding other people. Meanwhile, Texas is going, wait a minute, we're hearing this conversation about Alabama that if Alabama beats Georgia, they could jump over us if we win the Big 12 championship game versus Oklahoma State. That's what I've always had the problem with the committee. I'm going to miss this next year. I can't bitch and moan about it because we're going to have a 12-team playoff. But because we got four teams in the playoff, they always seem to move the goalposts each and every year, not for the best teams or the most deserving teams, but what Harry said yesterday, Chad, the most convenient teams to back up whatever, whatever they thought about one team over the other or underneath the other. Uh, yeah, I, I think that there's a, there's an angle to that convenience because I'm sitting here looking at the rankings right now. In my mind, Alabama is currently a better team than Texas. And are we going to – how much credence do we give that win Texas had over Alabama? 
which seems like forever ago, when Alabama was still trying to figure out its quarterback situation, they had played three quarterbacks by that point. They hadn't really fully settled on Jalen Monroe, and, and so things were different for them. Yet and still, every poll's got Texas ahead of Alabama. So is there a possibility for Alabama to leapfrog Texas if they get upset at Georgia? I would certainly hope so and think so, but I'm sure there'll be some that say, whoa, 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 Texas beat Alabama. Well, that was like nine weeks ago. So much has changed since then. So this criteria is always going to be evolving, and I think this speaks to the need for a 12-team playoffs. In the past, I would have said no. It's going to be a bunch of blowouts. It's going to be a bunch of have-not schools playing the schools who have it all. These blue bloods and the blue bloods are still going to be in the final two or three games. This year, I think it's a legitimate argument yeah. that a 12-team playoff would be really awesome, and there would mm-hmm. be a number of upsets along the way. My top four teams from one through four, Georgia, I'm with you, Michigan two, Washington three, Oregon four. I'm with you about Florida State. I look at them, and there's they're, they're not as good right now as Oregon and Washington. I'm not putting Ohio State near there and Texas and Alabama a little bit below those four, but those will be my top four teams. Georgia one, Michigan two, Washington three, Oregon four. Megan in Washington wants to weigh in on this at 888-729-3776. Joining us on Freddie and Harry on ESPN Radio with Chad Brown. I'm Freddie Coleman. Miss Megan, who are your top four teams? All right. So as much as I think that if Alabama beats Georgia, Texas should be in it. As an Oklahoma Sooner, I just cannot morally put Texas in the top four. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, They're out. Sorry, sorry, Steve Sarkeesian, but not this year. Maybe in the 12-team playoff. But I'm going to go with Georgia, number one, um, even though I think it's going to be a close game in that SEC championship against Alabama. Michigan, number two. I am going to go against my home state. I am not a Huskies fan, nor am I a Cougars fan. I am going to put Oregon at number three. I think they're playing some of the best football down the stretch. I think they're going to go in and just destroy Washington. Michael Penix is not playing great football right now down the stretch. But I will keep Washington at number four because I do think that they are a better team when you line them up against Alabama, Florida State, and Texas. So those are my top four. Good stuff, Megan. Yeah, Good stuff. I yeah, love the, I yeah, love the thoughts. Mm-hmm. I like putting Oregon at number three. Now, Freddie, what would you say okay. to – the players, you had a chance to address the Florida State locker room after mm-hmm. they win the ACC championship. Mm-hmm. And they finished the regular season and the ACC championship game undefeated. What would you say to them why they are not part of your playoff picture? Because I look at Florida State and when you don't have Jordan Travis, by the way, their defense is terrific. Their running game's outstanding. They got a bunch of dudes at wide receiver. But certain guys that can make plays matter. And if you put Florida State up against Oregon right now, they don't win that ball game, in my opinion. You put them up against Washington right now, they don't win that ball game. You put them up against Texas, Alabama, Georgia, Michigan, they don't win that game because playmakers make a difference. All the guys, all the teams I mentioned have playmakers all over the place. We're talking about Jalen Milrow, what he's been able to do. But that Dallas Turner guy, number 15, he's going to be playing on Sundays. He makes plays on the outside of football for Alabama. Georgia, they're loaded with playmakers. All those guys at Georgia right now will be in a Philadelphia Eagles uniform (laughs) in the next two to three years. Because in your best interest that when you want great players, go where the great players are. You look at Washington, Michael Penix Jr., but Roma Duzzi is one of the best wide receivers in the country. And they got a defense that can get after the quarterback. Up and down the line, everybody has playmakers at different levels on offense or defense. Florida State's missing their main playmaker. That's how much Jordan Travis means. And you can't convince me 
that you put them in the playoff. They go undefeated. They win the ACC championship game. They beat Louisville. That doesn't mean they're one of the best teams in the country being undefeated at 13-0. Because if Oregon beats Washington, I'll make a better case for them because Oregon should be undefeated. Their coach blew that game when it comes to Dan Lanning. And I'm a Dan Lanning fan. But he went for it once, twice, and thrice on fourth down and went 0 for 3. If you have gone for it 0 for 2 on fourth down, you can't go for it on a third time in the middle of the field when you can't make Michael Penix Jr. go 90 yards. He lost that game for his football team, and he acknowledged that. That's nothing against what Mike Norville has been able to do to make Florida State matter and give him all the credit in the world. But as of right now, Jordan Travis means that much to that football team. I can't place them in a playoff even if they go undefeated and other teams can jump above them. Okay, I'm, I'm exactly on the same page as you. Just It's – you're just not as good of a football team without him as these teams are in the top eight. So it's just it's a pretty easy answer for me. It sucks. It, it would crush me if I were in that locker room to receive that news. Right. Uh, I think 19 or 20 year old Chad would have you know mm-hmm. been willing to fight you over that. But 53 year old Chad can look at this from, with the proper <laughs> perspective and go, Yeah, man, you guys just aren't as good as other teams because you're missing your best player and your best playmaker. The best way they can solve that, you go out there, you beat Louisville 50 to nothing. Then you make a case and say, yes. look what we did without him. Yeah. You have a close game versus Louisville that just yeah. lost a rivalry game to Kentucky. You're not helping your case exactly. if you're Florida State. Buddy Joe in New York, thanks for hitting us up on Freddie and Harry with Chad Brown and for Harry Douglas. I'm Freddie Coleman on ESPN Radio at 888-729-3776. Buddy Joe, who are your top four teams in college football? Hey, Coutinho, I got four teams for you. Mm-hmm. Go Blue. <laughs> Go Blue. Go Blue. Go blue. <laughs> <laughs> I think he means Michigan, Michigan, yes. Michigan, Michigan, Michigan. But, but a team out there, Alabama. And I can't wait to see if this happens. If Alabama, number one in the country, has a chance to take down Jordan, number one in the country, SEC championship game, then that's when things get hairy. Nick Saban was asked about that situation. Heather Dennis, ESPN Cowboys reporter, she asked Nick Saban about the SEC and the Cowboys playoff, and he said, and I quote, I think we beat them. The them we're talking about is Georgia. We'd be one of the four best teams in the country. I think it would be a disrespect to the SEC if there isn't SEC representation in the final four. I do believe that, end quote. If you're on that committee, that should scare you to death. This guy has never lost a championship game in that building in Atlanta and Georgia. I don't think Alabama's beating Georgia. But if he does, that was his way of shooting his shot to say, how can you keep us out when we took down a team that many people believe could not be beaten this year, and we did it in their home state in a championship game and with the champions of what many people still believe is the best conference in the country? I think even Texas fans would have to reluctantly agree if they go out and, and beat Georgia this weekend that, yes, they deserve to be in the in the playoff. It must have crushed Texas fans. They would acknowledge that that win over Georgia was more significant than Texas's win over Alabama. Texas fans ain't admitting to that. <laughs> <laughs> maybe in their quiet, private yeah. moments. They wouldn't say it publicly, and, but in their private moments, maybe. Chad. Brother, I love you. There's not enough tequila in Texas <laughs> to have them convinced. There's not enough brisket in Texas that will convince them that they won't even talk about that at places and parties that they don't want people to know where they're going to. They are not going to admit, especially when they wanted that guy, Nick Saban, 
They want him to leave Alabama to go to Texas. Nah, I'm good. I'll stay in Tuscaloosa. I'm not going to Austin. There's not enough tequila and brisket in Texas to have any Texas fan admit to that, even if it is true what you had a chance to say. Like we mentioned, we got championship weekend coming up, and after that we got bowl season right around the corner. Don't forget the Pac-12 championship game tomorrow night, 7 p.m. Eastern time on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. It is presented by Dr. Pepper. I can't wait to get this answer from Chad Brown here on Freddie and Harry and Freddie Coleman on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, SiriusXM Channel 80, and don't forget to tell your smart speaker to play ESPN Radio. Who was the most unbelievable athlete you ever played against or saw in person? The reason we have that is because one of our own saw a player that he had never seen before, and that player blew his rabbit behind mine. I'll ask Chad Brown that question next. The most unbelievable athletes that they played against or saw in person. And we want to hear from you. 888-729-3776. Triple H say ESPN. The most unbelievable athlete you ever played against or saw in person. Your calls and Chad Brown's answers are next on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. The Pac-12 Championship Game, tomorrow on ESPN Radio. It's a showdown in Las Vegas with huge playoff implications. The undefeated third-ranked Washington Huskies face fifth-ranked and 11-1 Oregon. Coverage begins tomorrow at 7 Eastern with kickoff at 8 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ABC. Presented by Dr. Pepper. The Freddie and Harry Podcast. This is Freddie and Harry on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app. He's Chad Brown in for Harry Douglas. Joining me, Freddie Coleman on Freddie and Harry. Thanks for joining us on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, and always tell you smart speaker to play ESPN Radio. This conversation got started about who is the most unbelievable athlete you either played against or saw in person. We'll give a couple of your calls at 888-729-3776. Nick Cardi is one of the youngest members of our staff. So he had a chance to see the Barry Sanders Really, biography on Prime Video. They did like a whole thing on him. And Nick was like, this guy was ridiculous. And then he saw him when he played at Oklahoma State, and they showed that footage. And then he saw the numbers. Over 2,600 yards rushing, 37 touchdowns rushing, won the Heisman Trophy that year. By the way, Thurman Thomas put that guy on the bench for the first two years at Oklahoma State. Right. That's, that's just how great or Thurman Thomas was in college, that Barry Sanders didn't start until after he left. Chad, you played against Barry Sanders. You got a Barry Sanders story. What is it? Oh, my goodness. Uh, so this was probably year three for me in Pittsburgh. We're playing Detroit in Pittsburgh, and we had our Blitzburg defense, so we were going to blitz the Lions into submission, basically. We had all these great blitz plans. And it was an outside run to the left. I was playing right inside linebacker, and I was responsible for the A-gap in front of me on the blitz. Mm-hmm. I go to go to, to run through my A-gap. I see it's an Outside play. Barry's running outside the tackle to my left. So I abandoned my gap to go chase Barry down. Barry recognizes it, puts his left, I'm sorry, his right foot in the ground, cuts back to the A gap 68 yards later. <laughs> touchdown, Lions. And Chad is getting yelled at by Bill Cower on the sideline. He's spitting in my face. I'm like, Coach, every other player who I've ever played against in all my years of football uh-huh. could never make that play. That would be impossible for them to make to go from right. an outside run to cutting back to the backside a gap yeah. no that you can't do that wow barry could do that wow. and barry could do that for 68 yards and t- take it into the house for a touchdown wow that's the most unbelievable athlete you played against saw in person oh man now you know when, when you guys asked this question before, before yeah. the last break i started i just had to google yeah start running through some people i uh-huh. mean i played against randall mcdaniel and he oh, was a l- offensive guard who was faster than I was. Right. 
clearly playing offensive guard, he was bigger than I was. Right. His vertical was much higher than mine was. Yeah, that's why he's in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Right. He made, what, 12 consecutive Pro Bowls. So there's guys like that. I mean, I played with Rod Woodson. Mm-hmm. And Rod Woodson, you know, is considered probably the second best defensive back of all time. Rod Woodson played offense occasionally for the Steelers. He certainly did that at a Purdue. He could have made the Olympics as a hurdler. Right. Uh, special teams, kickoff returns, punt returns. Uh, in addition to 74 interceptions, I mean, it's just wow. that kind of play against the amazing receiver athletes who are on the field week in and week out in the NFL for Rod to be that good. It just goes to show that to play in the NFL is a little of athleticism that the common person can't understand. And to see a all-pro or pro bowler is a massive step up. Mm. But these guys who we're talking about, the Barry Sanders, the Rod Woodsons, the Randall McDaniels, they are literally steps above the average pro bowler or all-pro player. That's how tremendous of an athlete and greatly skilled players they are. Chad Brown here for Harry Douglas. I'm Freddie Coleman. I'm Freddie and Harry on ESPN Radio. We're going to take your calls in a couple of minutes. Who's the most unbelievable athlete you either played against or saw in person on the Dr. Pepper call online at Triple H say ESPN 888-729-3776. The most unbelievable athlete you either played against or saw in person. I'll give you a quick one. The most unbelievable athlete I've ever seen in person, Deion Sanders when he played mm. at Florida State. Mm. A buddy of mine worked at Clemson in the sports information department. I just graduated from Manchester University in Pennsylvania. He said, Freddie, you got to be down here. They're going to wear their all orange, Deion Sanders, Florida State. They wore their all whites that day, right? And this one, Deion Sanders was returning punts back then. So I'm on the sidelines, on the Clemson sideline, and Dion is just mofoing people back and forth. Y'all better not kick this bleep to me. This bleep is going back. Punter put it right in the middle of the field, oh, Chad. Come on, punter. Come on, punter. At least put it to one side. He started, pin him. he started left. He went down the right of the sidelines and was just boom, right down the sidelines <laughs> for a touchdown. The guys thought they had an angle on him, didn't even lay a glove on him. He drops the ball in the end zone. I told you, mother, blah, 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 this blank was going back. Y'all better pay attention to me. It's one thing to hear about speed or see speed on TV. When it runs by you <laughs> at 4.21 in the 40, it's like my, your eyes couldn't follow it because I had to anticipate where he was going to be where I saw him until where he wound up. And I still can keep up. It's like you're on a highway and you see a Porsche, you look at your speedometer, and then it's in front of you. That's what he was. Wow. I couldn't believe someone was that fast. He never saw the ball again the rest of that time. Anytime <laughs> they punted, that ball's finding a nice blind in the third row, finding parents in the first row. That ball never went to his direction. It is the most impressive thing seeing a guy that fast going from point A to point B and doing that when Deion Sanders did that at Florida State when they beat Clemson and they had the all-orange. Your calls, most unbelievable athlete you ever played against a song person, 888-729-3776. He's Chad Brown. I'm Freddie Coleman. This is Freddie and Harry. Thanks for listening to the Freddie and Harry podcast on ESPN Radio. You can also listen to Freddie and Harry live weekdays from 3 to 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. You can also watch and listen on the ESPN app. The Freddie and Harry Podcast.